Christian back in the mid-70s. Um, the Lord immediately took me into um, loving to worship him and I learned to play guitar and instruments and so that led into the whole period of loving to worship him and praise him and leading praise and worship in many different contexts and teaching about praise and worship in many different contexts and then um, in the next season of my life the Lord also added into that he took me along the, the intercessors and those who pray and uh, I was involved in prayer uh, in many different aspects even at a national level and so that was in the so from the, in the seventies the Lord initiated me into the uh, worship. In the eighties He initiated me into the uh, intercession, and in the late eighties onwards He then took me among the prophets. And so these three streams were operating in my life. But then one day. I was just listening to uh, somebody who's a prophet and I was listening on a, a tape so it shows how long ago it was, it wasn't even a CD and he said something and uh, he said something about the uh, prayer and prophecy and uh, praise and worship and he wasn't talking about what I'm going to say now but the Lord, the Spirit immediately said to me these three streams of prophecy, prayer, and praise, I'm going to bring them together and I'm going to entwine them like if you plait something. Um, or if three streams are coming together, they'll be so intertwined that you can't separate them anymore. And uh, it then took me on a journey. Um, over many years, and it still continues, where he exploded open the scriptures to me about how these three streams, they're not supposed to be working separate from each other. They work together, and like Stephen was saying, they, uh, they are all prophetic functions. And that's why you don't see somebody just called a worship leader or an intercessor in scripture, because these actually are prophetic functions. They are part of the prophetic anointing. And so these three things are to join together again. They've become very separated. So that um, in history, a prayer meeting in people's minds has been this way, you sit round in a circle and you, and you pray from a list. That's because it's become divorced from the prophetic where we hear from the Lord and the prophetic shouldn't be separated from the worship because it's in that place of the thick presence and worship and we are in the presence and interacting with the Lord and he is um, being released through us as we are worshipping that we can then hear in a safe place because we are before the throne, we're in intimate communion with the bridegroom, that's a safe place to hear. Uh, prophetically from. It's a safe place to do warfare from. I liken it to this. When you're flowing these three streams and you're being wrapped around with the glory of God so powerfully, it's like 
that's like uh, a divine tank and you are moving in that and the enemy is looking on and he knows this there's possibly an army there, but he can't see this army because it's hidden in the glory. And suddenly these glory bombs, <laughs> bombs of praise and worship and glory and dance and um, just start flying out from this um, covering of glory, from this tent. You start coming out and the enemy's going, where did that come from? Where did that come from? And he, he can't throw anything back because he can't see us and he can't throw anything back because the glory of God's um, like a tank, it's impenetrable. It's a glory that's filled with the blood of Jesus and the, the work of the cross and he can't penetrate it. And so it's a safe place to be the army. And so the Lord is, is seeking to re-establish the foundation of these streams, draw them together and put them on the biblical foundation of what the scripture says about them, how they operate in the new covenant together, uh, and the language you use in these three streams, that it's new covenant language. And the Lord said to me, when these three streams merge together and they are plaited together and flow together, the river of the Spirit will flow with greater power and glory, and it will be one of the keys to a further release of the army of God. Uh, and that's what he told me in the early 90s. And since that time, we started to see that happen across the earth. It's starting to happen. It's actually going to merge even more. You see, there's times in the Gospels when somebody would come to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, will you help me? And they're falling down before Jesus, and it says that they're worshipping him. And then you go to the other gospel, and it's the same story, but the wording that's used, they're falling down, and it says they're interceding. You see, the writers, they would look one way, and it looked like the person was praying, but they looked the other way, and the person was worshipping. That's what uh, these three streams are supposed to be like. They are wound together and flow between each other in a very connected way. You see, if you look, even on the internet, you can find that this was a Celtic thing. The, the, these three streams, they flowed together. Um, and these are Celtic lands we are living in. Here in Scotland and Wales and Ireland and so on. We are Celtic lands, and so this is part of our heritage that these things flow. And every nation we've found, every nation has a sound. And so we've seen, like I was telling you about this one nation that we went to, that in that nation, they're able to release their sound powerfully through these instruments. Now there's another nation we go to, and they're super gifted with their voice. They love to sing them any chance to sing and they will sing. So they're gifted with that sound and so Scotland has a sound and sounds that he wants released uh, into this great choir that's before the throne of God uh, and he's doing that in this season. So what I want to look at is some examples of where these three streams are throughout the scripture. It's from one end to the other. So let's have the next slide. 
So for example, Jehoshaphat, that's 2 Chronicles 20, this is the classic example. You have um, if, uh, Judah, they are surrounded by enemy armies. And the king calls the people together and he starts to pray. And uh, as he's praying, and as if they are praying together, the Holy Spirit falls on um, a man, and he's called the son of Asaph. And uh, he starts to prophesy, and he says, Fear not, Israel, stand and see the salvation of your God. You'll not need to fight in this battle. So he moved, he moved from prayer and he moved into prophecy. But the interesting thing was that this person who was prophesying, he was a son of Asaph. And Asaph was one of these three worship leaders in the time of uh, David, and he was a prophet. And so when it talks about sons of Asaph, they are such singing prophets. So he didn't just say, fear not Israel, just stand and see the salvation of God. He was, fear not, O Israel, stand and see the salvation of your God. You will not need to fight in this battle. God will do it. He was singing it. And you see, that gave them a clue because they all fell down in worship because they knew they'd heard from God. And then the Jehoshaphat, the king, he said, right, the strategy is that we send out the singers first. We send out those who sing the new song. We send them out first. Well, how did he know that? That prophecy came through a prophetic song. And they sent out these singers before the army. So the prophetic singer brave because you do go first and you do make a way. It says at the beginning of Judges, send Judah first, send the praises first, send the thanksgiving, those who give thanksgiving, send them first. So they went out and they would sing, we by Judah, for they were singing, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. And the enemy turned around and fought themselves and were destroyed, and they didn't have to fight. Through a prophetic song, and through three streams flowing together. There's a nation we go to in Eastern Europe, and they took us to the place where, in the time of the uh, Hussites, who were reformers before the Reformation in Germany, and uh, they understood this about the power of this new song and the power of praise. And they took us to the place where they got enemies because they were reformers. Their enemies were coming to destroy them and they were riding to destroy them. And they stood and they started to praise. And they started to worship. And their enemies turned and went away. And there was no battle. That's a more modern, not so modern, but more modern occasion of that and we actually stood on that spot where that happened. So the, the, the power of these three things flowing together uh, was released to bring a victory. Now in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah, if you just take a cursory glance at the prophet Isaiah, he's most fantastic. He saw the glory of God and then he's prophesying about all the finished work of Jesus. He's totally amazing. And if you look at it, it looks like, first of all, he's just speaking all this. But if you take a closer look, he says, ah, he's singing this bit. This is a song about a vineyard. This is a song. This is a song. And then 
you can also look at the book of uh, Isaiah and you can see in some versions of the Bible it's got like prose and it's going down the side of your margin and then suddenly there's a whole bit where there's a big indentation of the paragraph and it, it goes down with an indented paragraph. Now, in some versions of the Bible, when it's got these indents, it's showing you where it's poetic language. It's not just a written story, it's actually poetry, and it may well have even be some prophecy. So these prophets, they sang. The prophets in the time of Samuel, they sang. And that's what led to these prophets that were with David. Now, Deborah, she was a prophetess, and she was a judge, and she was a mother in Israel, and she sang. And she was the, the prophetic part, and then you had the army leader who went with her, Barak. And uh, he would be called maybe the apostolic part of this team that the Lord used to bring the victory in that time. And, uh, but they sang a song. So you've got the, the story of the battle, in prose in Judges chapter 4 and the story of the spiritual battle is in song by Deborah and Barak in chapter 5 and it's the whole of chapter 5 speaks of the, the prophetic strategy the Lord gave them to win the battle. Uh, so song and prophecy flowing together. Psalms as we've said it's a weaving of these three strings. There is psalms that are prayers and they are sung, there are praise psalms, uh, there are prophetic psalms and there are psalms where the, the psalmist is just worshipping and then boom, outflows a, a messianic prophecy of Jesus and then the psalmist goes back to worshipping, he goes back to praying and there's this flow and this weaving of these three streams. Uh, Jonah is a very interesting character. In chapter 2, He's uh, inside this big fish, and because uh, the sailors have thrown him overboard so they can get rid of the storm, and he's been inside the stomach of this big fish, and he, and he starts to speak, and he's talking about what's happening inside the fish, and uh, he's in a very difficult position because he's got, he says he's got water up to his neck, and he's, he's being wrapped around with seaweed around his feet, and you can imagine the smell of the fish that eats fish. Uh, it was very smelly and there's rotting seaweed and it's pitch black dark. And he's stuck inside this fish. And so he starts to pray <coughs> inside this fish. And then he starts to thank, give thanksgiving. And that word for thanksgiving is this word with extended hand, but it's also another part of the word. It means you're giving a sacrifice of thanksgiving in a difficult situation. And as he prayed and then he gave a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise, the fish got very sick when he did that. The fish felt sick when he started moving in these three streams. And the fish vomits him out into exactly the right place where he needs to be. And he starts to be able to prophesy of the Lord's grace and mercy to a city. You see, we can be in difficult circumstances and that which is going to give us a victory is to start to give the Lord a sacrifice of thanksgiving in that difficult situation. And as we do it, and as we're praying, and as we're praising Him, it aligns us to the right position 
and we are released into exactly the right place that we need to uh, be moving for the Lord. Now, in the, a few years ago, I had a massive, massive allergic reaction and uh, it wasn't diagnosed for a long time. So I was very, very ill and the whole of the, my internal body swelled up to such an extent to about here that I could hardly move. And I was thinking, right, Angela, you know what you have to do. You have to just worship the parts of your body that you can worship with. So I could do this bit above, above my chest. So I could, I could raise my hands and I could worship. And I would worship and I would praise him. And I would go to places to where they were worshiping and I would worship and I would praise and I would move whatever bits of my body would move. And I praised him. And from that place, the Lord showed what was going on and uh, he, he uh, released me from not being able to move. And, uh, but it was a sacrifice of thanksgiving in the midst of a difficulty like Jonah. And it's a powerful tool. Uh, so there's different tools. And as we work with these different tools, the Holy Spirit says, do that tool, do that tool. To do that weapon. Habakkuk 3, verse 1. And Habakkuk 3, the whole chapter. It's it's a song of it's a song or a prophecy or a prayer about revival, that chapter. And it says that it's a prayer about revival. And then there's prophecy in it, but at the end of it it says, let this be given with stringed instruments. Uh, and with a particular tune it was supposed to be played to. So it was both uh, worship and prayer and prophecy, and it's about the glory of the Lord being released across the earth. Miriam, she was a prophetess, but she led the singers and the dancers out with praise and worship. And then Samuel, the prophet, he had, a, he had groups of prophets what called schools of prophets that he worked with in different cities in Israel. And one day, um, he's, he says that Samuel and those prophets with him, they were coming down from the high place. The high place was a place that could have been a place of idolatry, but they went there to release uh, the glory and presence of God. And it shows that they'd been, go they'd been up there with instruments because they were coming down with instruments and they were praising with instruments and they were prophesying and this is going on and they've been changing the atmosphere um, on that high place and they're coming down and Saul meets them and he falls down because there's this strong prophetic worship prayer anointing which transforms things and it's swirling around and it, it knocks Saul to the floor and he, it says he stood up and he was changed into another man. That speaks about the transforming power of that presence that's created when we move in these three streets. Now, they didn't stay changed because he didn't let that presence uh, change him on the inside and minister to him and heal him on the inside. When God's presence comes, he's coming to not just cause us to shake into battle and to roll, but to change something on the inside. And Saul didn't let that happen. And he was still in his own identity and unhealed. Um, but that transforming presence was shown to be moving around him. And then we've got David and, and his worship leaders and his tent and his psalmists. 
And the whole of the book of Psalms is totally amazing because it actually shows what was happening in that tent with these three streams, with these, with these priests. It shows that they had prophetic revelation uh, of what Jesus would do. Uh, amazing. So from one end of scripture to the other, these three streams flow together. A New Testament, next slide, New Testament worship response to the presence of Jesus. Think about Mary, Elizabeth, and Simeon. Um, Jesus, uh, Mary goes to see Elizabeth, and immediately uh, the, the baby inside Elizabeth witnesses to the presence of Jesus inside Mary, and she starts to sing a prophetic song. Worship and prophecy flowing together from the impact from the presence of Jesus. Similarly with Simeon and uh, Hannah in the temple, uh, she was a prophetess and she prayed. So she came and um, prophesied uh, when Jesus was brought into the temple. Similarly with Simeon, praying and prophesying. Similarly with Mary, with the presence of Jesus, she's singing a prophetic song. Um, they've got Jesus, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And he said to his disciples, don't rejoice that demons are subject to you, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Think about Paul and Silas in prison, in Acts, and uh, they were stretched out. They weren't just able to sort of go, oh, I praise you, Jesus, this is so nice in this prison. They would have been pinned to the wall with irons and they would not have been able to lie down to sleep. They were just hanging there, very tiring. And in the midst of that, they started to pray and they started to worship. And out of that prayer and that worship, and Silas was a prophet, so I'm sure he was singing prophetic new songs, um, the place shook with the power that was released through that flow that they were releasing from the inside of them. They decided that they were changing the circumstances. They were changing the atmosphere. And the atmosphere shook and the prison doors opened and the gospel was preached in that prison. Which is just what Acts 9, uh, Amos 9 tells us. Acts 13, you've got there, it says that there were prophets and there were teachers at Antioch. And uh, it said that they, they prayed and they fasted and then they ministered to the Lord. That's speaking about worship. And then it says the Holy Spirit said, that's prophecy. And what happened was Paul and Barnabas were released into apostolic ministry out of that flow. So a prophetic flow started to happen which released Paul and Barnabas to the nations out of that flow of these three streams. But these prophets and teachers, they knew how to flow together in these three streams. And such a transforming, empowering atmosphere was created that it impelled Paul and Silas into their powerful destiny. Uh, next slide. Uh, yeah, back, back a slide, sorry. Yes, 1 Corinthians 14, this is the, uh, from 1 Corinthians 12 to 1 Corinthians 14, they're the chapters on the gifts of the Spirit. 
and uh, in 1 Corinthians 14 particularly, Paul is talking about, in, the, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the, the gifts themselves. In 1 Corinthians 13, about the motivation of that gift, which is love. In chapter 14, he's talking about the administration of these gifts and how they function. And he says, well, when you come together, one has a psalm, one has a prophecy, one has a revelation. He's talking about the flow of these three streams when the body meets together. That was a normal church service that was full of life and full of a dynamic of the spirit where there was new song and there was prophecy and there was revelation, etc., etc., as well as teaching, etc. And then what Hebrews 13, 15, which we've talked about, therefore by him let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So we were saying that out of this amazing teaching on the um, moving of the tabernacle of David into the new covenant and what that releases, which we found in the book of Hebrews and the whole of the new covenant, the writers say, all that's left is that we can praise him and we can worship him. That's the only sacrifice left. Uh, the book of Revelation is very similar to Psalms in that it's the flow of these three streams right through the book of Revelation. It's starting with um, prophecy and it moves into worship in the throne room. There are prayers where the incense are poured out and it, there's proclamations flowing through the book of Revelation. These three streams are flowing through the book of Revelation. You've got something happens and then there's worship to God and then there's prayer and then there's proclamation and then there's worship to God. It's a flow just the same right through that book in order to release the purposes of God into the earth. That which is in the throne room being released to the earth through these three streams. So next slide. These three streams release the glory of God that's inside you. It's one of the ways, these are some of the ways, there are other ways, but we're talking about these ways today. For example, another way would be the release of miracles, because it said when Jesus turned water into wine, this was the first miracle by which he manifested or showed forth his glory. So miracles release the glory. There are the gifts of the Spirit release the glory, as we've got there, prophecies to release the glory, 1 Corinthians 12. The gifts are called the manifestations of the Spirit. That's the outshining of the Spirit, the outshining of the glory. So gifts of the Spirit, they're not just words or actions, they are to release the glory and nature of Christ. They're to show forth Christ in his glory. In his, in his resurrection power, in his nature, in his character. So prophecy releases the glory. That includes decree and proclamation and confessing, using the word, using the name of Jesus. These are all things which release the glory of God from the inside of you. And we've said praise releases the glory. Uh, Psalm 71 8, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all day long, Psalm 71, 8. When our mouth is filled with praise, we are releasing glory. Interesting. Therefore, when our mouth is filled with um, unbelief and criticism and uh, 
or you know, negative things, what does that release? But when we're, our mouth is filled with praise and thanksgiving, exalting the Lord, it releases the glory. Prayer releases the glory because we know Solomon prayed at the temple being dedicated when it had been built, dedicated to the Lord. And as he prayed, the glory of God came. Now, we say these things release the glory, but they release the glory on the basis of the finished work of Jesus. So we're not trying to do things. The glory is released on the basis of the finished work of Jesus, but they're a tool, they're a vessel to carry that release. They're not doing it in themselves. So people get into the habit, they think, my prayer will change this situation. No, the finished work of Jesus changes the situation. Your prayer can activate that finished work into that situation. Your prayer can apply the blood into that situation. Your proclamation can release the glory into that situation. But it's not a work. These things are not a work. They are not even a method. They are a dynamic in which we, we partner with the Holy Spirit to see the glory on the inside of us and the glory coming straight from heaven released into circumstances. So we mustn't get into that works mentality where my prayer, my intercession is changing this. No, the finished work of Jesus changes it, but as we partner with the Holy Spirit, that work is applied and released and the glory of that is released into a situation by this tool. By the tool. So these three streams are some of the ways glory is released. Next slide. Uh, so I want to look a little bit now at glory being released in praise. We, 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 we talk a lot already about glory being released in different forms of prophecy and proclamation. We've looked at that. I want to look here at glory being released in praise and the particular prophetic aspect of that. There's a specific aspect of that which actually enables um, prophecy and song to come together. Uh, Psalm 34 verse 1, his praise, and that word for praise is the word that, is a praise that releases glory. There's a word in the Hebrew, it's called halal, from which we get the word hallelujah. And this word halal, it is mostly translated praise, but it means praise that's very exuberant praise. It's a Psalm 150 praise, praising on the trumpet, psaltery and harp, praising on the timbrel and dance, etc. It's this dynamic praise. Um, a bit like David when he danced before the Lord, when he was bringing back the ark, he was so um, absolutely beyond himself with pleasure that the presence of God was coming back amongst his people, that he was dancing hilariously. And Michael didn't like it, but the Lord liked it. And he didn't like Michael's response to the fact that David as king loved the presence more than he loved his kingly position. Very important for any leader that we love the presence more than we love the position of authority the Lord has given to us. And that we 
David said, I don't care, I'll become more undignified than this, provided I can worship the Lord and we can know his presence. He was desperate for presence among the people of God as the king. And uh, that's hallelujah praise. Uh, the word hallelujah is halal yah, praise the Lord. But this hallelujah praise, it also means to outshine with the glory of God. And this word praise, it's tehillah, which comes from the halal, and it simply means singing halals. You're singing praises, fresh praises that release the glory of God. That's what the Lord is interested in. His praise, this praise that releases the glory will continually be in my mouth. So it's, a, it's like a river. It becomes like a river out of you. You can open your mouth and as the Lord said to Moses, open your mouth and I will fill it. As you open your mouth, the Holy Spirit can pour out praises. He's got endless praises. You listen to yourself when you're waking up in the morning, very often, your spirit is singing. Your spirit may be speaking in tongues, or your spirit might be singing a song. And that can be very helpful, because if you listen to that song that the Holy Spirit is singing in your spirit, that can be the promise for your day. I've had the Lord tell me amazing promises in very difficult circumstances by the Spirit, the spirit of God singing a song on the inside of me, and I'm hearing that song, and I know it's giving me a promise. Because I didn't think of that song. It may be a song I've sung 25 years ago, but I've never sung it since. But the Holy Spirit's bringing it up because he said, that is the promise you need for now, for what's happening. So listen to the song in your spirit. It's a fresh song from the Lord. And so Paul, he understands this. He's this Hebrew and he's this He's been this Pharisee of Pharisees. He understands scripture. And now the Holy Spirit's illuminating that scripture, explaining that scripture in the new covenant. And Paul says, right, he says, just like Tabernacle of David, he says, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, be filled with the Spirit and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing these things. Sing songs you know. Sing songs you don't know. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, he says, sing with the spirit and sing with the understanding. You can start singing in tongues and then it can go to singing in, in native language. Spiritual songs, fresh songs, new songs. And he says it again in Colossians 3:16. Be filled with the word and sing. And even sing to one another, he said. So we've got a clue here. Be filled with the spirit and this new song starts to come out. Be filled with the word and this new song starts to come out. Why? Well, because when we're filled with the Spirit, it's like this river of song starts to want to flow. A river of revelation starts to want to flow. To be filled with the Word is we have spiritual language which can, can then clothe the spiritual thought. Because we want to prophesy, we want to sing, but what's the material? What's the material? What's the vocabulary? Be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Word, and the Spirit's got some word to release in song. We'll come back to that. And then Psalm 144, 9 says, I will sing a new song. It's a choice. 
When you choose to do it, you open your mouth and the Lord lets the river out and you can sing. Once you get going with this, we'll have to stop you because you can go on and go on and go on and you can go on and go on and go on and we'll have to say, right, sure, because we want the next person to have a go. Uh, it's a river that can go on and on and on. It's beautiful and it's not a big work and a big effort because it's the river of the Spirit of God flowing out through you and it's wonderful. And it, and it creates this transforming atmosphere. Psalm 149, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the congregation and with instruments. So that means you don't just do it on your own, hidden away. Good place to practice it again and again, but we're also to do it together. And instruments, they really help carry a flow of these three streams. It, it really enhances the dynamic and the flow. Uh, next slide. Yeah, so Psalm 71 verse 4. I will praise you yet more and more. Same word, this fresh praise that releases the glory of God. I'll praise you yet more and more. Now, this is an interesting one. I looked this meaning of more and more up. And in one ancient le uh, lexicon, which is telling you what it meant in the original language, um, from hundreds of years ago, it said that this is uh, the idea of finding fresh material for praise beyond your past praise, and I'm quoting there. And so even back hundreds of years ago, when people were not actually doing this, they could translate this verse as, where it says more and more, it's trans it can be translated and it's the idea and the thought is, this is not singing what we've sung before, this is fresh praise from the Spirit of God, um, beyond praise we've had before. So it's a fresh praise. So praise material. Uh, my tongue shall declare your righteousness and your praise all day long. So that's talking about our, this praise, this new song praise. We are releasing the finished work of Jesus. You find that in the book of Psalms. David, he sings about um, the righteousness of this king of righteousness again and again and again and he sings about this uh, messiah who would come and uh, you know be the savior and bring the salvation uh, so we're meditating on the finished work of jesus and then we can release the glory of that in song in proclamation in prayer in prophecy in worship and that is the weapon is the finished work, but this is the channel or the vessel that will carry it. So just like you've got different weapons, like you've got guns, and you've got tanks, and you've got big bombs, and you've got small bombs, and you've got atomic bombs, and you've got chemical bombs, and you've got this type of bomb, and that type of bomb, and this weapon, and that weapon. So in the spirit, there's all these different ways of releasing the victory of the finished work of Jesus. Sometimes it's through prayer, sometimes it's through proclamation, sometimes it's through singing this new song, sometimes it's through um, bringing the prophetic proclamation, a decree, you know, a, a, a rule from the throne of God, um, a strategy from the throne of God uh, in prophetic areas. These things carry the power that then explodes into the situation and the power is the finished work of Christ.
the victory of Christ. So the language isn't complicated, but it's letting the finished work of Jesus and the power of that so impact you on the inside through meditating on it and letting the Holy Spirit explode on the inside of you. That can come out of you when you release these things in these three streams. Similarly, uh, with praise material, like we've already said, his word uh, is, the, is the language which will convey what uh, the Lord wants to release in his glory and uh, his, in his victory. Psalm 119, verse 171 and 172. Let my lips utter this new song, fresh praise, uh, because you teach me your statutes, your, your covenant and your word. And let my uh, tongue, let my tongue sing of your promise, for all your commandments are righteous. So let my, let your tongue sing the promises of God. Let them be released in song. Uh, next slide. That's gone backwards. Uh, back again. Yeah. I just want to put this slide up because it's again it gives some new covenant language that we've already talked about quite a lot uh, and given this comparison between the old and the new covenant um, but to understand that new covenant language is, a, is, is language of love and grace of intimacy and faithfulness openness before God it's a, a, an understanding of, of we have full, bold, joyful access to God's presence. Sometimes people sing songs and it's like, Oh Lord, you are up there and I am down here. And there are heavens of brass and you cannot come down and I cannot go up. That's not New Covenant. That's not achieving anything for anybody. Uh, and so if we understand the language if we, if we release it with the, the language of the new covenant, the Holy Spirit will back that up. He cannot back things up when we are praying old covenant language because only death gets released through the old covenant because the sacrifices did not deal with sin. So it's a covenant, new covenant, it's a covenant of love. It's a covenant of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a covenant of glory and of righteousness of beholding the Lord, it's a covenant of liberty and freedom and transformation. That's taken from the book of Hebrews, it's taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and it's taken from Romans and some of the letters of Paul. And it's a, that's only a condensed version of the glory of the new covenant. Um, but just let these uh, books of the new covenant talk about the finished work of Jesus, let them wash over your spirit. So the old covenant's covenant of law, of separation, divorce, unfaithfulness, hiddenness, covering, no way to enter God's presence, no intimacy, the heavens of brass, no desireness for nearness to God or to give self to him. The, when the Lord was giving the Mosaic covenant, the God was revealing himself on Mount Sinai and the people said, we're afraid, we don't want to go near, we don't want to hear God's voice, you go, you go Moses, and you hear for us, we don't want to. The people chose separation. The new covenant's all about a way, having, having been made through Christ, that we are 
in intimate relation with the Father and with Jesus. Uh, fading glory, so as to almost pass away, 2 Corinthians 3 tells us. There's no transformation, no, nothing can be made perfect, nothing can be transformed and changed in that old covenant. It's a covenant of bondage and slavery and not freedom. So the language we use when we are releasing songs and prophecies and prayers, it's important because the words we are using, the Holy Spirit wants to use those and empower those to bring a transformation, to bring a change, to bring the kingdom into the earth. And we can't do that if we use all covenant language, whether we're singing or whether we're speaking. Okay, next. Results of singing this new fresh song. Uh, the, so wherever it says praise in these scriptures, it's this new song, fresh praise, that the Holy Spirit is, is releasing. Now, for example, at the bottom, I've got, it says new things are proclaimed in Isaiah 49, 9 to 13. And it, it talks about singing a new song in the midst of new things being proclaimed. Or doesn't it make sense that if there's something new coming, you're not going to be able to proclaim it with an old song because it's something new. And so it needs a new song to proclaim a new thing. Uh, in Habakkuk 3 verse 3, it says the earth is full of his new song fresh praise. In Numbers 14, it says the earth is full of his glory. So as the earth is filled with this praise that releases glory, the earth becomes filled with the glory. And in the day we are living in, God wants to bring fullness. He wants to bring a fullness of all he's doing and a fullness of his glory. The earth will be full of his glory or the fullness of his glory. How is he going to do that? Not only is he raining down his glory, the glory in these deep wells in us gets released all across the earth, which is starting to happen. And then the earth fills with that glory. And you can go into dark circumstances, but you're the glory carrier. And in those dark circumstances or that unopened nation, you can go in and you can release the glory of Christ. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen not only upon you, Old Covenant, but out of you, New Covenant. Uh, so, this new song releases the glory. It releases salvation, Psalm 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of new song, fresh praise to our God. Many will see and fear and trust the Lord. This song creates an atmosphere that's so full of the intimate presence of Jesus that people will walk into that atmosphere and they'll say, I want to find Jesus, I want to know Jesus. We had a situation, and I was just telling a few people who'd been praying for my father. My father was physically ill, and uh, we went to visit him in the hospital, and some of you here were praying for him. And uh, we, the doctor came and said, um, if we need to resuscitate you, if we need, do you want us to bring you back? He was so critically ill. Do you want us to jump on you and almost break your ribs to bring you back? And my dad said, I will hope if I'm in that place, you will bring me back. And we're going, we want you, Dad. And my mum's going, I want you, you know, to her husband. And we're all saying, we want you. And we were able to pray with my dad. And he prayed and he chose life. 
and we prayed life and we spoke life and there was a young man in the next bed who my dad didn't talk to because my dad likes to talk with people and uh, he, he, this young man had latched onto my dad because he was like, my dad was like being like a father to him and so at that moment he came over and he had a slight uh, mental backwardness and uh, so he was young for his age but he came over and he wasn't a Christian but he walked into life because we'd spoken and we'd proclaimed and we'd prayed life all around my dad's bed and all this young man could say was life there's life there's life because he couldn't only speak words of life because we put words of life into the atmosphere and it was a really good example to me how when you release these things in prayer and proclamation prophecy and song it creates an atmosphere into which people that's, that is there in the atmosphere for them to receive salvation, for them to receive healing, miracles, etc. Uh, and this young man, he could only speak life. He wasn't a Christian, but he kept speaking life. It was like he was a Christian, because all he could speak was life. Uh, similarly, we can release revelation of Jesus and salvation into the atmosphere of our cities and our nations. Uh, which is exactly why Amos 9, 11 and 12, the tabernacle of David is being raised up. We speak glory over future generations. We sing glory over future generations. Psalm 79, 13. To all generations, we will tell of your praise, your new song of praise. When we praise him, we can release the glory of God down the generations and up the generations. When we sing new song praise, it can release the glory of God on your grandchildren, on your great-grandchildren, on your grandchildren's grandchildren, down the generations. You can release the song of the Lord down those generations. So that in future, some of your generations will walk into that glory that you have released down the generations. And we can do it for our nation. We can release the glory onto the next generations. So sometimes we wonder why did that revival happen? Some of it's because earlier generations, they released glory down the generations. Why did that person actually get saved? Because there's nobody at the moment in their family or their recent family who actually knows Jesus. But down the generations, some glory of God, some salvation of God can have been released with the new song, with prophecy, with uh, proclamation, with prayer. Victories, we've talked about victories from Psalm 149, 1, with the high praises of God in my mouth and a two-edged sword in my hand. Prophetic song, prophetic praise and the word, the word of God. Prophetic proclamation and the word of God. The sword is the word of God. The living, spirit-filled word of God. God lives or sits as king in these praises. Psalm 22. Some versions say God inhabits these new song fresh praises. What the word actually means in the original Hebrew is God, he can sit down as king or is enthroned as king. That song where it says, Jesus, we enthrone you, that song is actually taken from this verse. Um, but it can mean he's enthroned as king in the midst of these new song fresh praises. You sing this praise and you find that what happens is the presence of God gets thicker and thicker. 
You want to see the presence of God and the glory of God get thicker and thicker in the situation. You release that glory from your spirit with a song. Whether it sounds good or whether it doesn't sound good, you release it and the glory increases. There's a story of a pastor and he had a lady in his church and she would sing this new song, this prophetic new song, in a Sunday morning service, but she didn't have, she wasn't a music, didn't have a musical voice, but she released it and she released anointing and she released presence of God. But there was, he, he eventually, because he, because she wasn't the musical bit with the song, he eventually stopped to doing it. But then he noticed, when she didn't do it, the presence of God wasn't strong in that meeting. The anointing wasn't strong in that meeting because even though it wasn't professional, even though it wasn't perfect, she released the presence of God. She, she released the glory of God in that meeting through that medium of song. So we are not looking for anything to be perfect when we sing these songs. Because they're new and they're fresh, they're experimental, so they're not always super perfect. Um, but God, he can sit as king and be enthroned. This word also means it's like God being at home in our praises. It's like he comes and sits on your sofa with his feet up. He likes them and he wants to be with those people who sing them. And he comes and he's, come, he comes and he's intimate with us. That's what we were doing last night. We were having God come in and he was intimate with us. You know, um, that's what this word also means where it says God's enthroned or God inhabits these praises and he is uh, released as king in these praises. These praises can release his kingship. His righteousness is released, Isaiah 61.10. The Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. That's releasing the finished work of Jesus. Healing and miracles are released, Jeremiah 17:14. Heal me and I will be healed, for you are my new song, fresh praise. There's healing in the midst of the new song because the presence of God can uh, release healing. Whether the songs are about healing or not, there's presence of God that will, will heal. But sometimes the songs are deliberately released singing over people to see them healed and receive miracles and new things we've said so next slide just to finish there we're finishing just now um, we're going back to the fact that these things are in you and these are just mediums and streams by which we can release this Christ in us the hope of glory but we need to see situations from the perspective of that's all on the inside of us. And when we meet situations, sometimes you'll hear intercessors and, oh, it's so bad and it's worse and it couldn't be worse and it's worse and it's worse and it's worse. But who are you on the inside? There's all this glory on the inside and if we corporately start to release that, things can be changed. So it's seeing who we are, what we're filled with, and then understanding these, these mediums and channels um, and tools by which these things can be released. So Father, I just ask that these are maybe very new things. They're not things that we've, the things that we've probably seen, but we've not known what they do and what they achieve and why we're doing them. 
And I thank you, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you're the teacher and you're raising up your army that's full of worship. An army that glorifies you and releases the kingdom of heaven on earth. And there's a whole stream of this, Lord, that as we worship in these three streams, flowing and plaited together, you release your kingdom, you release your salvation uh, in many, many miraculous and glorious and transforming ways. And so, Father, I thank you. Many of us are moving in one or two of these streams, uh, but we're maybe moving in them separated from each other. I thank you that within each one of us, this will be like a DNA, three-stranded DNA on the inside of us. Our DNA will, will carry that which releases your glory in these things, and it will be an easy flow. I open up that flow, just as those wise men, they opened up their spirits so that the treasures they had, that they could give them out to worship Jesus. I pray today, as we just flow together this afternoon, much treasure and glory will be released from each one here in powerful ways, Lord, both individually and corporately, because you have put incredible treasure, precious treasure, precious glory, precious nature of Christ inside each one of us. And I bless each person here that that treasure and that glory can flow out this afternoon and from now on with power. And I thank you, Lord, that where there is one of these streams missing, you will add it in this afternoon that we might be moving together in these, these three flows uh, together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to take a break until um, 1.45 and then we're going to just worship together and enjoy ourselves together in God's. We're going to enjoy it together. We're going to change the seats so that we're a bit more intimate together uh, so that we know we're doing it together. Okay.